Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome welcome everybody here this morning and also welcome our uh, live stream. And good to see everybody this morning. I know it's Labor Day weekend, but uh, we got a good turnout here this morning. And school is about to get started, right? Wow, finally. Yes. I think we're all ready for that. So I'm really excited about this series that we started last week. And we just started a new series, and it's called Spirit Living. I'm uh, just really excited because of what God can do uh, in us and the changes that we can experience if we lean into this in, into the series. I'm really excited about it. And I got a couple of challenges for you at the outset of this series, okay? So the first challenge I have for us is to reconnect for the next seven weeks. We have this little window of, uh, of emphasis that we're making before the holidays. So before Thanksgiving, hunting season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of that. I'm asking everyone to reconnect in a life group so that we can do this series together, not just on a Sunday morning, but we can do it during the week and be a part of relationships and discuss and, and just kind of work this into our lives, okay? So we have lots of different life groups available. I think we have like 10 or 11 different groups, and um, you can connect on a life group in different ways. You can see this slide here online or through our mobile app or even through texting that number. So those are already signing up. You can sign up right now, today, right in this minute, or you can look at your schedule and check which one's are available for you, but reconnect. Let's get connected. Most of these groups are virtual, but there are a couple of in-person groups as well, and there's, I think, one or two that are either or, like you could be either in the group personally, or you could be connecting virtually too. So we're trying to create all the different options that, you know, that people would like to have to do that. The second challenge I have, and this one takes a little bit of work, a little bit of effort, and that is to meditate or memorize and meditate on scripture verses over these next several weeks together. Uh, The Bible says if you really want to have some change happen in your life, that you don't just show up to church or you just don't, don't listen to a message, but you begin to train your mind to think differently. And to do that, you have to put some skin in the game, right? You have to actually put time into learning the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, and that's what changes us. That's what transforms us, okay? That's what the Bible says. We are transformed by renewing our mind according to God's Word, by changing our thoughts um, according to God's Word. And when we do that, we experience transformation. And uh, this series has incredible transformation potential if we personally decide to put some skin in the game. And to do that. And so what I've done, like last week, we had seven verses. I'm, every week I'm going to give you seven verses in your log notes. If you're watching online, uh, you can get these also online and through our app. You can find this information, okay? And what I did, this is my personal personality, my approach to these things is I wrote my verses down on these little cards. And I, I, uh, I, I've been going through Hebrew lately, you know, trying to learn Hebrew. And it's, an, it's nearly impossible, Okay, so my, my brain does not absorb Hebrew very easily. So I've got uh, like 500 of these cards at home. Each of them has a different Hebrew word on it. And I'm constantly going through my Hebrew words, trying to learn them and slowly absorb them. And I'm doing the same thing with the scriptures. So I got these cards and I'm reading through them. And uh, then I think about it, meditate on it. Like this one here we had last week, First Thessalonians 5.23. Uh, it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And I read it, I meditate on it, I think about it, but then God begins to speak to me. And it begins to, you know, give me insight on what that means and how I am to look at my world. And so, for instance, last week when I was talking about this verse, uh, some of the things that I mentioned was, how many of you know that God cares about your entire existence, your entire being, right? Not just your spirit. He cares about your soul, how you're feeling, how you're thinking, how your emotions are. He cares about your body. And last week we talked about how we are like a spirit. We live in a body. We have a soul, And today we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But God, Jesus, came not just to save you so that when you die, you go to heaven. He came to redeem your spirit, your soul, and your body. Can somebody give a big hallelujah to that? A hallelujah. 
Yeah, God cares about all of me. All of me. He is for all of you. And so this kind of a verse brings that to light when we start thinking about that. May God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you through and through. That there isn't a sliver of you that's left unredeemed. That's what God is saying to me when I meditate on this verse. That God wants all of me. He wants to redeem and save and rescue every part of me. My thinking, my emotions, my, my thoughts. Not just my spirit, but my body. How many of you know we're going to get a brand new body, right? So there, that's, that's pretty awesome. Okay? But our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, God has made a way for those to be healed as well. We've all gone through hard things in life. And they can scar us. They can skew us. They can distort our, our hearts, right? Sometimes we react to difficulties in negative ways. Sometimes we put up barriers. We build walls. Sometimes we, we take on labels for ourselves. And these things are, are not of God. They're, they can be harmful to our future. But God wants to redeem us completely. Every hurt, every pain, every source of you know, sin that has been done against you or sin that you have caused. You have regret. You have shame. You have, you know, all kinds of different problems that we've gone through. And God doesn't want you to just keep getting beat down and beat down and labeled and pressed down. He wants to heal us and free us and rewire us so that we are his son and daughter without guilt, without shame, without regret, that God restores and redeems us through and through. Anybody getting anything out of this? This is good news. You're not alone. You're not hopeless. The best is yet to come for you. Jesus cares about every part of who you are. And he's going to redeem every part of you. And he's going to do it himself. May God himself, the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God of no lack, the God of abundance, the God of divine health and prosperity and wholeness, the God of peace. That's what peace means. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Abundance. Life. Health, wholeness, joy, peace. May that God himself sanctify you. Pull you apart. Pull you out of death. Holy sanctifies mean to be separated. May God separate your, your hurt from this fallen world and heal you. May he separate you from sin and redeem you and make you right. This is what God's doing. All of that in one little verse. Okay? And God teaches us by his spirit as we meditate on his word. And it comes alive. Paul put it this way in Ephesians. He said, may God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. When you spend time meditating on his word, the spirit of God begins to speak to you. And you begin to know God better. And you begin to understand truth. And it changes your life. Alright? So that's my second challenge. All that just to give you that challenge to meditate on the Bible, on the verses that we give you. Okay? So this week I got seven in your notes. Uh, you can do it one every day or you can do like I do and I just do them all and then I just go through them and then I'll meditate and memorize one at a time and, and I kind of go through them and I think about them and pray about them and God speaks to me. Okay? God will change your life. He'll transform your life. And the third challenge that I have for you is at the end of this series, at the end of October, on a Friday night and a Saturday morning, we're going to do a special Freedom Weekend event where we just come and just get fired up. We celebrate what God's doing. We get filled up, excited, have some time to worship God and time to just minister to one another and just be fully alive in Him. It's going to be a dynamic tonight, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning two-day thing, okay? If you can make it, make it. If you can only make it for one of those saints, come to one of those saints because it'll be worth it to you just to be encouraged, all right? So today, I want to ask or answer the question, who are you? Who are you? And so we have this dynamic of body, soul, and spirit, right? It's just kind of one of the ways to look at our existence. We have a body. Uh, we live in a body, temporary body, and we have a, a soul, we have a mind, will, and emotions. We have these things that we can't always put our fingers on, but we know they're there. And then we are a spirit. So who you are, according to the scriptures, is you are a spirit. That's who you are, okay? And I want to teach you about your spirit today, because there's some things that you need to know 
about who you are because if you believe these things and you understand this, it changes how you uh, orientate your, your life and your world. It changes how you see the world, how you see yourself, how you think, and, and it just changes everything from the core. Because here's the deal, the, the real quick punch to this is if I am a spirit, this is who I am, if I am a spirit and I am not my body, that's not my identity, my body, and I am not my soul, I have some opinions, okay, I've had some experiences, uh, I have some good things and some bad things, I have some strong feelings, I have some wiffy-waffy, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I might define myself by my soul, or I might define myself by my body, but that's not who I am, because those things are temporary. Does that make sense? I am a spirit. That's who I am. So I don't define myself, although I have in the past, as I'm an athlete, right? Because that's my body. I'm a runner. So, you know, I'm a coach. I'm a pastor. No, 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 no. Yeah, those are things I do. Those are things I enjoy. Those are things I, you know, that's a career. But that's not who I am. Who I am. Who you are at the essence of your, your, your core of who you are is a spirit. Okay? I'm not five foot nine and a half. I've got to add that half because I, I want every part of my height that I can get, you know. You know and, and I'm not just a white man. We can define ourselves as, you know, according to our, I'm white, I'm black, I'm male, I'm female, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I believe this, I got that opinion, I know this, I know that, you know, and, we, and this is our soul stuff now. We can define our identity by what we think and what we feel and how we grew up. And I'm an American, and so here's my values, or I, this is what I believe, and these are, these are the things I really have strong convictions about. That's just soul stuff. It's not who you are, because who you are saying you are has been a collection of a lifetime of other influences that made you that way. Doesn't necessarily mean it's all right. In fact, it's not all right. Not all of your opinions are right. Not all of your beliefs are right. We're not getting into that, but I'm just trying to give you a picture. That's not who you are. Who you are is a spirit. And let's put it this way. This, is the, this little analogy helps me think this through. Let's say we are crossing over right now from this physical realm, this fleshly realm, into eternity. And let's just picture we're walking through and there's a line and Jesus comes back and here we go. We are going from this earthly, fallen, limited temporary existence where I have a body, it's getting older, I have my thoughts and my opinions, I've read these books, so I think these things, I've got these friends, I, I have this experience, but now I'm crossing into eternity. When I cross through that line, what's coming into eternity with me? How much of that soul, how much of my opinions, how much of my identity in terms of that earthly realm, how much of that's going to survive, come through the door with me? How much of that? Not a whole lot. In fact, my body itself is going to be completely redone. Which I'm pretty excited about. I think we all are. Not that we don't like our bodies, but they're limited. They get tired. They're breaking down. I hurt my knee yesterday bending over picking up a frisbee. I wasn't jumping and making some great catch. I bent down to pick a frisbee up. My knee just went. I'm like, oh, never did that before. So our bodies are not going to make it through. The Bible says we, this mortal is going to take on an immortal body. We will be dressed in glory, right? So none of the body comes through. So my limit of five foot nine and a half frame is not going to be limiting me anymore. I'll have a six foot frame. Woo! Yes, finally, I'll get there or whatever. It doesn't matter. The body is going to be completely different, okay? How about your soul, your thinking, your pain, the insecurities, the fears, the labels that you have collected over the years? As best as we as best as we can do, we have tried to take those stickers off. 
We've tried to get healing from hurts and pains, but we're still influenced by a lot of that stuff. Okay? We believe what we believe because of things that have happened to us or people who have influenced us or things that we believed or we read or we heard and it affected our soul. How much of that's going to go into eternity? I mean, you know, only the things that were purely, perfectly in alignment with God, which is probably pretty small. The Bible says right now we see dimly. We see as in a darkened mirror. We can't quite make out the image of Christ in us right now. We can't quite see really what God sees in us through Christ. But one day we will see him face to face. That means we're, our minds will be crystal clear. We won't have any of the cloudy, fallen thoughts of self-survival and preservation and fears and insecurities that cloud our thinking now. We won't have any of the pain of the past that guards our hearts, that's afraid of what's going to happen. We won't have any of that stuff. Do you understand? Okay, so what is going to go into eternity is your spirit. And that's what I want to talk about. Your spirit. Number one, your spirit is eternal. Your body is not. Your soul, your, your opinions are not. But your spirit is eternal. Okay? This is the part of who you are. And this is the part of you that is eternal. Right now. Okay, so here's my question for you. Why, and I'm asking myself. So I'll say it like this. Why do we spend so much of our energy and time trying to work on the soul and we ignore what is already true of our spirit because this is who we really are. This is who we are. And most of us don't know who we are because we're not focusing on our eternal who we are. We're focusing on our soul and how we feel and what we see. The, the paradox of the kingdom of God is we don't see it, but we can see naturally a lot of things. So because I see that chair there, I tend to put more emphasis on the fact that I see that chair. But the Bible says I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. We just sang a song about Jesus is, uh, I don't remember the words, but the idea was Jesus is sitting at the, in heaven right now. But there's another verse that says, and we're sitting with him. Now, I can't see that, but that is true right now. In my spirit and in the spiritual realm, there is a truth right now that is more dominant and more real and more eternal than the chair that you're sitting in. You're actually sitting in a more secure, eternal place right now in the spirit realm. It's right with Christ. But it's hard for us because we're used to living in our souls. We're used to, if I see it, I believe it. If I smell it, touch it, taste it, hear it, see it, okay, then that's my reality. But I'm telling you, the Bible tells us, there is a higher reality. It is the spiritual realm. And you are a spirit. We're passing through a physical realm. It's temporary. But if we could learn how to live by the spirit, it would change our entire orientation to the way that we live life right now. So the first thing I want to share with you is our spirit, my spirit, your spirit is eternal. And Jesus said this way to, to Martha moments before he raised her brother from the dead, Lazarus. Okay? And she's like, oh Jesus, if you would have just got here a couple days ago. My brother's been in the tomb for four days. If you would have got here before he died, I know you could have saved him. You could have healed him. And Jesus turns to her and he says this in John chapter 11. He says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. I am life. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he says, the one who believes in me. Everybody say, believes in me. Believe. Okay, so the one who believes in me will live. And then, he, and then he gets a little confusing. Even though he dies. Like, what? what? I like the first part. We'll live. Even though he dies. And he goes on, and it's still kind of confusing. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What in the world are you talking about? Okay, it's confusing. You live, even though you die, you'll live, but you'll never die. 
I don't understand this. So as you read the Bible, as you get through all the scriptures, you'll see there are two resurrections and there's two deaths that are mentioned in the scriptures. The first resurrection is when Jesus returns again. The Bible says with a loud trumpet, with the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ will what? They will rise up out of their graves. This is the first resurrection. They will rise up and they will meet Jesus in the air. That's the first resurrection. Um, and some people will be alive on planet earth when this day happens. And those people, which I hope to be one, those people who are alive that see this happen, who are believers, will never die. They won't experience the first death, which most people will. The first death is when your body wears out and you die. And we've all had loved ones and friends go on. And, uh, but that's not the end of their story. Why? Because the body is not who we are. We're our spirit. So our spirit is still in existence, right? Okay, so you with me so far? We have the first resurrection. And those who are alive are also believers. When they see that, those people will come out of their graves, the believers, meet Jesus in the sky, and the Bible says, and we who are there will also join them in the sky, and so we will be with the Lord forever. And in that moment, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to look, but Paul talks about it. In the twinkling of an eye, the mortal will put on the immortal. And those of us who are alive, we will be given our new bodies right then. We'll be like, I don't know what's, like a, something's going on. And all of a sudden we start to go up and we're like, yeah, six feet, here I go. I can fly or whatever. I don't know. I can see perfect, perfect sight, you know. I can see people five rows back. Hi, I see you, you know. You know, whatever it is, our bodies will be transformed, okay? So that's the first resurrection. The first death that Jesus is talking about here is this physical death. Lazarus died. His body died. His, his body was in a tomb. He says, but everyone who believes in me will live even though they die. So there's a second death that, that the Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 20. You can read about this. And it is the great white throne of judgment. On that day, all of humanity will be risen, resurrected, and judged before God. So the ones that are, are left are the ones that were not believers at the time Christ came. Or even those who became believers during the, maybe the tribulation time and died as believers. They also will be raised to life at the second resurrection. And everybody will be before God. And read about this in Revelation chapter 20. I don't want to teach about it today because lots of other things we want to talk about. And we all stand before God and books are opened and our deeds are, are read. And there's one book that is the most important book in eternity. It's called what? The book of life or the Lamb's book of life. And Revelation chapter 20 says that if everyone whose name was not written in the Lamb's book of life or in the book of life was cast into the second death, which is called the lake of fire. Now the lake of fire, or hell, if you want to call it that, was not made for bad people. It's made for the devil. It's not God's will that anybody go to hell. It's God's will that every one of his sons and daughters return and are saved and spend eternity with him. But that's the second death, and that is not a death of no more existence. It is the death of complete, eternal separation from God. Which is really bad if you know God. Because God is life. He's love. He's peace. He's all these wonderful qualities that even today, many people are enjoying this side of eternity by the grace of God, even if they're not a believer. But when you take away life and love, Peace and joy and all the qualities that God is. And now you have an existence without that. That's hell. That's what that is. That's the second death. Okay? So we got the two, two lives, or the two deaths, two resurrections. So Jesus says, now we go back and he says this. Those who believe in me will live even though their body dies. 
And those of you who have faith in Christ will never experience the second death because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And your spirit, which is eternal, will enter into glory and into the presence of God with a new body and an enlightened soul. And you'll have perfect emotions, perfect intelligence, perfect understanding. You'll see Jesus face to face. And the best is yet to come. That's why the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even conceived of what lies ahead for us. It is beyond our comprehension. We can't even describe it or think about it of the glory that waits for us, the sons and daughters of God, to be revealed. Come on. The best is yet to come for us. That's why we live differently. We see differently. So our eternal being is our spirit, okay? Now, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection of life, this idea of life is the word zoe in Greek, and it means this. It means to be possessed by vitality. Jesus is literally the source of life. He literally is the energy and the vitality of life. And when you place your faith in Jesus, life is born in you. You are infected with life forever. Your spirit is born again. Your spirit was dead because of sin. And Jesus says, but flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And when you place your faith in Christ, your spirit comes alive. You are born again, and your eternal destiny is secure in him because you have been infected with life. Okay? So we have an infection. Humanity has an infection. It's sin. It's death. And Jesus comes to reverse that curse and to bring us back to life. And so uh, that is... Just a beautiful thing of, 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 our, of our situation right now. So the implication of this though is this. If my spirit is the eternal part of who I am, then the challenge is for me to begin to turn my focus to who I really am and get my focus off of my soul and this flesh living that I'm so used to. Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but every day I wake up, I have a long list of things I'm supposed to get done that day. Lots of, you know, decisions to make, things to plan, places to go, things to do as a family, things to do as a coach, things to do as a pastor. And what, what can happen and what has happened many times in my life is I get consumed with all of that stuff and yet that stuff is all, it's all fine, it's all good, you know, but it's temporary. It's what I call the flesh. It's the realm of the flesh. But what is true is my spirit, that is more true, that's more eternal, that's more real than all the other stuff of life. What I'm challenging you to do during this series is to shift your focus from trying to get through your day to focusing on who you are in the spirit. What is true about you right now Versus what is temporary and looks true around you. There's a lot of little truths around us. I don't feel well. Uh, maybe my marriage isn't as good as I want it to be. Uh, maybe my, my finances or my job or this isn't going well. Listen, we have all these temporary tiny truths that we're contending with. But there are some eternal, big, giant truths that we do not often live with in our consciousness. And if we begin to put those at the forefront of our orientation to our life, they will affect and bless our soul. They'll flip things around. Let me put it this way, okay? I'm going to do something different here. Romans chapter 8, Paul explains this. And let me just see if you can relate to this, okay? Um, he's talking about the mind and where our mind is focused on. So in chapter 8 verse um, 5, it says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. So let me just preface it by saying this. The sinful nature. We're not talking about being a goody two-shoes here. We're talking about if you're living in this sensory-filled, temporary realm called the flesh or the sinful world that we live in, and you're focused on all of this stuff, you with me? 
The mindset on the sinful nature, what I want, what I think, what tastes good, what sounds good, what I'm listening to, what my opinions are, what I need to do today, what I, all these things, blah, 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 okay, that's, that's the soul realm. It says, if your mind is set on that, okay, it says those who have, live according to the sinful nature, they have their mindset on that nature. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires, Okay, verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Everybody say life and peace. Okay, so the sinful mind goes on to say is, is um, hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law and it can't do so. But those controlled by the sinful nature, they can't please God. Now it's not necessarily about pleasing God, it's about being alive or being dead. It's about living in life and peace or living in a death spiral. And the Bible makes it very clear that when our minds are focused on this soul realm, it produces death in us. But when our minds are focused on the spiritual truths of who we are and the word of God, it produces life and peace. I look at it this way. Who's in control of you? Your mind, your soul, or your spirit? Let's just think about that. If my soul is in charge, then it's, and I'm focused on all my worries, all my problems, all the to-do lists, all the pressures of this world, all this temporary stuff that's going on, okay, things that won't matter when we walk through the eternal door, the things that are going to be dissipated, cut off, disappeared, forever got, forgotten, gone forever, and I'm focused on all that stuff, that's going to suppress your spiritual truths that are actually eternal. Wouldn't you agree? So let's say our soul, our mind is on the soul realm. It's, and it's filled with, it's, it's just preoccupied with stuff and worries and troubles. Our spirit is being suppressed. But if you switch that around and you say, I'm going to put, like the Bible says, I'm going to put my mind on what the spirit desires. I'm going to think about my spiritual status. I'm going to think about the things that are eternally true about who I am right now. And you put your spirit in charge. You know what happens to your soul? Your soul begins to line up with these spiritual truths. And what happens is the spirit releases life and peace into your soul and into your body. So do you want your soul in charge releasing death? Or do you want your spirit in charge releasing life? And it's all, this is why the mind is so important. Because we get to, get, we get to decide what we're going to fill our minds with. And what we're going to focus on. So we skip on down here. And it says in verse uh, 13. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body... You will live. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says, now lives inside of you. Okay? All right. So number one, your spirit is eternal. Number two, this is a pretty powerful truth. Uh, and it says, my spirit is one with Jesus. My spirit is one with Jesus. And Jesus said this in John 6, 63. He said, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Okay, now the flesh is talking about this temporary realm that we're, we're striving in. And that counts for nothing. The spirit gives life. It says, Jesus said, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and, and life. Oh, I thought it was up there. Sorry. So, the words Jesus has spoken to us are filled with the spirit and life. And when you meditate on the words of Jesus, you are connecting with, your spirit's connecting with his spirit, and life is being released into your soul and into your body. Okay? But my spirit, your spirit, is one with Jesus. Okay? 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Whoever is united with the Lord 
is one with him in spirit. Your spirit is in unity with Jesus right now. This has huge implications, okay? Uh, let me put it, uh, let me give you one more verse before I break this down. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Okay, what is that saying? As Jesus is, so are we. We are one with him in spirit. So let's think about that for a second. How is Jesus right now? Because as he is, so are you. How is Jesus right now? Well, let's see. How's he with God? How's Jesus with God? Do you think they got a pretty good relationship? What do you think? What does the Bible tell us about Jesus' relationship with God? He said, Father is in me. I'm in him. We are one. We are, I don't do anything apart. They are perfectly united in their relationship. There is perfect communication going on. There is no barriers, no restrictions, right? No uh, elephants in the room in their relationship. Jesus has a perfect relationship with the Father right now. So as he is, so am I. What kind of relationship do you have with God? Well, who's answering the question, Pastor? Is my soul answering the question? Or is my spirit answering the question? Well, I want to talk to who you are. Who are you? Do you, uh, do you define yourself as this soul being? Or do you define yourself as God does, a spirit? So I'm talking to your spirit. How are you with God? I'm awesome! <laughs> I'm perfect! I got a perfect relationship with God. Do you know this is actually true? Your spirit right now has a perfect relationship with God. Your spirit has no hindrances right now. You are one with Jesus. As Jesus is, so are you. Jesus has a perfect relationship with God right now. So do you. You can hear God in your spirit right now. If you got your soul out of the way, your spirit is... Talking to you. Your, your spirit is one-to-one -one with God. There's no sin in your spirit. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. All right? Through Jesus. There is no sin in your spirit right now. You're like, yeah, but you didn't see what I did yesterday. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Or this week. Or this morning. On the way to church. What I said. Okay. I'm not talking about your soul. I'm not talking about your body. Your soul is messed up. Right? So is mine. I'm not talking about my behaviors. I'm not talking about my track record. I'm talking about my spirit. My spirit. Your spirit. According to the Bible. This is what's true. I'm telling you. We got to start thinking about the spiritual truths, not our soul experiences. The Bible says, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You are born again. Your spirit is completely without sin. You are in complete unity with God. There is nothing you can do to make your spirit any more righteous or perfect or holy or forgiven than has already been done. In the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are without sin, your spirit. Not talking about your soul. Not talking about your stinking thinking, your bad behaviors, your hang-ups, your hurts. All that stuff is just coming from areas of our life that's unredeemed. Okay? God's going to work on that. Praise the Lord. God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. He's working on your spirit, your soul, your body. The good news is, he's already done with your spirit. Your spirit cannot get any more redeemed than it is. Your spirit can't get any more saved than it is. Your spirit can't be any more righteous than it is. And the good news is, that's who you are. I can literally look at some of my attitudes, and I can have this weird conversation with myself. And I can say, 
that's not who I am. But that's who I'm acting like. But that's not who I am. Tim, that's not who you are. What are you thinking? You're crazy. This is who I am. And you need to do that too. You need to have some conversations. That's not who I am. I'm not that impatient, you know, egotistical, you know, control freak guy or whatever that is. Blah, blah, blah. That's not me. I mean, yeah, that's kind of me. But no, it's not. That's not me. <laughs> this is me. This is who I am. I'm a child of God. I have it all. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I got an eternal destiny. God has put his spirit in me. I am one with Jesus. You may be looking at your body over here, and your body is tired. Your body is sick. Your body is broken. And I look at that body. Sometimes I have this kind of, I look at my body and say, that's not me. How is Jesus? He's got a couple holes in him right now. But other than that, he is in divine health. He is vitality itself. I tell my body, I talk to my body. Every time I do communion, I talk to my body. And I tell my body who it is. I'm like, I am fully redeemed. I receive the divine health and wholeness that Jesus paid for me. This, is, this body here, sickness, disease, is not allowed here. Because that's not who I am anymore. I am healed. I am whole. I have divine health and wholeness through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how I do it. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? That's not me. That's not me. This is who I am. This is what is true. My spirit and the truths of the scriptures that I'm sharing with you. And that you are going to meditate on this week. And you're going to begin to, God's going to begin to work these things into the fabric of who you are. If you put the time in, it'll change your life. It'll change how you pray. Instead of begging God for things that he's already made possible, you're going to be saying, thank you, Lord, that I have everything, everything. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Lord, right now, I release it into my soul and into my body, all of these blessings, whatever that is. It's a different way of seeing things because you're focused on what is really true, who you really are, not this physical temporary realm of all these tiny truths that are changing all the time. You won't live your life anymore based on circumstances, based on the weather, based on, you know, how things are going because you already know who you are and what is already true right now today in your spirit. And your spirit is in control and it gets your soul to line up and you will have more life and peace in your soul. And in the midst of storms and circumstances, they're changing all the time. If your spirit, if you're focused on living in the spirit, your soul will come under those truths. And you'll be filled with joy, even when it doesn't make sense from a soul perspective. Right? Why? Because you're not living in your soul. You're living by the spirit. You have a higher, stronger truth that's dominating your existence. And that is feeding your soul and feeding your body life and peace. Can I get an amen? amen? This is for us. This is for you. And so as we, as we do this, I want to close just by giving you one more verse, okay? Galatians 2.20. And this will help explain it. Uh, this is one of our verses that we had last week. And uh, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, this, in Greek, this word I, and I've mentioned this before, is the word ego. And it's not just about pride here. We think of ego as pride, right? But ego is actually an identity issue. This is who I am. The ego. My center is I. But Paul says, not anymore. He says, ego, my self-identity, has been crucified with Christ. And ego... My self-identity is no longer who I am. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. He has a completely different identity now. He, that's what he's saying. It's no longer Tim Hobson. It's no longer uh, Tim Hobson, all of his opinions, all of his uh, ideas, all of his upbringing, all of his dreams, and him trying to be the best Tim Hobson the world has ever seen. It's no longer that. That has been replaced. Paul has been replaced. He says, it's no longer ego. It's no longer I. That's not my center anymore. Now it is Christ. Christ who lives 
in me. And the life that I'm living now in this flesh, in this body, I'm not living as Tim Hobson. I'm not living to please the flesh. I'm not living in the soul realm anymore. I am living by faith in the Son of God, in Jesus, who loved me and gave himself up for me. There's a totally new identity going on in Paul. And he's crazy now. He's saying things like this to his, his listeners. I don't know, guys. I mean, if I die, it'll be better for me. I'll be in the presence of the Lord. But if I live, it'll be better for you. Man, I don't know what I want. I really want to go to heaven. I really want to see Jesus face to face. But if I stay, it'll be better for you. I, I guess God wants me to stay a little bit longer. But oh boy, I can't wait to be with him. There's nothing here for Paul at this point in his life. He has crossed over from ego to Christ. There is no longer any longing for the world, world stuff. There's nothing here. Paul says, listen, all the accomplishments I've had, all the things I've learned, every, all the great things I've done, I consider all that a loss compared to what? To knowing Christ. I just want to know Christ more. I want to know who I am now in him. This is a whole different reality. I want Christ. I want nothing to do with that old man. There's nothing there for me. I found a whole new life source. This is way better than anything I've ever had ever in my life. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want Christ and I want everything for which he laid hold of me. I'm striving to grab and lay hold of these things that Christ has laid hold of me for. He's talking about stuff like freedom, life, wholeness, purpose, you know, perspective. It's all different. He's laying hold of his true identity. And that's the same for you and for me. May God bless you with the same exact mindset because you get a revelation that you are not this human being with all these frailties and all these limitations. You have been born again. You're a son and daughter of God. You're in him. You're one with him. You have perfect communication with God when you access him through your spirit. When you turn your soul off and you rise your spirit up that you begin to see God, experience God, and it changes you forever. May you have that. May you experience that. May you be a spirit living being, not a soul dying being. Because when you live by your soul, you're dying. When you live by the spirit, you're coming to life. When your spirit is in charge, your soul and your body begin to get blessed and come into alignment with these eternal truths. When your soul's in charge, your spirit's suppressed. Your spirit's deadened to the truths that God has already established for you. And so today, as we continue forward, I just want to challenge you guys to pour into these scriptures this week. This change does not happen unless you put time into it. I'm telling you, because you are used to, and I'm used to, living and thinking this way. I see it. I believe it. I feel it. I believe it. I read it on the internet. I believe it. That's true. Whatever. You know, we can have a lot of fun with this stuff, but that's our reality. We're used to living in this sensory overload experience because we can't see the spirit realm. A lot of times we just devalue it and don't think it's as real, but it is more real. It is actually who you are. And those truths need to come to the top of our experience of this life so that the rest of our life can actually come alive, right? Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. This is not a way to, to uh, you know, God's not trying to trick you into losing life. He's trying to win you to trust him so they can really experience life. And the, the, you know, the paradox is that we have to die in order to find life. But Jesus is the resurrection and he is the life. And may Zoe be infected into your being. And may the spirit of God inside of you rise up and lead, lead from now on. Instead of your soul or your mind or your emotions or your body. May God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better throughout this series. May you come alive to him, okay? So we're going to do an amazing song of worship. Would you stand with me as we do this final song of worship? And we were doing this earlier uh, this morning. I came in and heard the worship team practicing. It's a new song to me. It might be new to you too. Um, can you, you guys grab, just grab that and get that out of here.
Um, it might be a new song to you too, but I felt the presence of God in this place this morning when I came in. I heard these guys sing this song. And then first service, we did this song at the end. And it was just powerful. Just I, What I want to do is I want to give you this gift of time to just respond to the Lord, whatever He was sharing with you, and just open your heart to just be filled with the Spirit and to be built up and encouraged right now. But more than that, if there's anything, any business that you need to do with God, do your business during this song. I mean, I, I don't know what that looks like for you. It could be different for everybody in this room. But if God was speaking to you about anything this morning, take time during this time of worship to, to take care of business with God. Have a conversation with Him. Uh, get, surrender something to Him. Believe in Him. Do something. Do whatever God is calling you to do because His presence is here and I want everyone here leaving this morning with the Spirit in control. The Spirit in control. Not the, your soul. Not, not your opinions. Not your feelings. But the Spirit. We are of the Spirit. We are in a spiritual realm. You are a Spirit. Your Spirit connects with God. And may that be awakened in us this morning before we go. And when we go, we're not leaving the Spirit here. Right? Spirit is with us at all times. But may the Spirit of God just be welcomed in your heart right now as we just spend some, some minutes together just doing that very thing. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity this morning to be encouraged with your word and your truth. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here to fill every hungry heart. May you give us holy hunger for you this morning, Lord. Give us a holy hunger for you May our souls and our feelings and our thoughts, may those things be put under, under our spirit. May our spirit rise up, connect with you now, Lord. May we be encouraged and built up. May life be stirred in us this morning, right now. And may the life of God, the eternal resurrection life, the same spirit that raised you from the dead, Jesus, be released in a powerful way, even now for every hungry heart, Lord, that we would taste and see that you are good and we would have life in us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
throne all blessing and honor and glory and power be unto the lamb who sits on the throne all blessing and honor and glory and power be unto the lamb who sits on the throne all blessing and honor and glory and power be unto the lamb who sits on the throne all blessing and honor and glory and power be unto the lamb who sits on the throne all blessing and honor and glory and power be unto the vacation with you. Next time I'll take you, I promise. Okay, so Shmoo still got the scripture wrong. It's actually found in the book of Proverbs in chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times. They are there to help when trouble comes. And you know what? This week's scripture actually reminds me of our Bible story. It's about two friends and they were best friends. They're one of the best examples of best friends in the entire Bible. Check it out. Slapstick Theater, David and Jonathan. This is Jonathan, hey. who was the son of King Saul and a warrior in Israel's army. This is David, hey. who would later become the king of Israel. Huh? After David defeated a great giant, he was brought before King Saul and he met Jonathan. They immediately became friends yeah! And Jonathan made a pact with David and showed him that by giving David his robe and weapons. Oh, hang on. From that time on, David was successful in all he did. Oh! And King Saul became jealous of David and very angry. 
Servants and Jonathan to get rid of David, but because Jonathan loved his friend David, he warned David of what his father was planning. Jonathan went to his father, King Saul, and talked him out of harming David. Okay. For a time, David was safe from King Saul's plans. Phew. But not long after, the king's jealousy and anger came back, and he tried to kill David. Whoa! David got away, and his friend Jonathan came to help him. I got it. Jonathan tried again to talk his father out of hurting David. No. But now King Saul was convinced he needed David to be gone. Jonathan was angry and sad that his father would not let his friend go. <sighs> and he knew that David would have to go into hiding and run from King Saul. Jonathan met David one last time, and the two cried and said their goodbyes. <laughs> Jonathan told David to go in peace and that they had a special bond in God's name. Then David left and lived a life on the run from King Saul, and Jonathan returned to the town. Even though they were separated, the two were the best of friends and were an encouragement to one another. Yeah! Some pretty wild things happened to David and Jonathan. It was crazy the things that they went through together. But David and Jonathan were great friends and Jonathan, he was there when David needed help. Jonathan was determined to protect David. He wasn't going to let anything happen to his best friend. It's pretty crazy that David and Jonathan stayed friends with all of the crazy things going on around them. Everyone expected Jonathan to become king the next king of Israel. But David was actually chosen by God to be the next king. Think about that for a second. Imagine everybody thinks you're going to be the most powerful person in the world and then some random person comes in and takes that away from you. Jonathan could have been mad. He could have refused to be friends with David. And believe me, he had a lot of opportunities to get rid of David, but he chose friendship instead. Instead of getting angry, he shared his things with David. Instead of turning against David when his father was angry, he protected him. Jonathan was a good friend to David. And David, he had promised to take care of Jonathan's family for the rest of their lives. And David, he was a good friend and he kept that promise. That's what friendship looks like. Really, that's what love looks like. It's about loving our friends the way that God loves us. Friends love one another. David and Jonathan, they went through a lot together, but through it all, they stayed friends. God had a big plan for David and it would have been easy for Jonathan to feel jealous, but Jonathan chose friendship first. Here's the thing, if you really want to love people the way God loves them, you're gonna need his help. After all, God knows us better than anyone else. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus here to take your punishment. Jesus is the best friend of all. We know that we've all messed up and sinned and Jesus gave up his life. He gave his life and took your punishment so that you could be with him forever. That's an incredible friendship. And that's the best example of love. Today, if you've never told Jesus that you're sorry for messing up, and if you've never decided to live for him forever, let's do that together right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I love you. I'm sorry. I believe in you. And I promise to live for you forever. Amen. If you said that prayer, well, you're a Christian. And I want you to leave a comment down below so that I can talk to you and give you a special gift. So what does love actually look like? Paul actually talked about it in the Bible. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not brag. It is not proud. It does not keep track of others' wrongdoings. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it never gives up. That's what love is. So the next time you have an awesome new toy or gadget, show love by sharing it with your friends. Or show love by letting your friend decide what you're going to do when you play with them. 
If you have a friend who's going through a hard time, show love by being there for them and listening to their problems. And another great way to show love to your friends is to tell them about Jesus. I am so excited for this block party and to be with you guys again here at church and actually having kids church here. Now, it'll look different, but it's going to be a great time because I get to hang out with you, my friends. Always remember that you are special. I love you, but most importantly, God loves you too. I'll see you next week.